I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel. And this is Propagated Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode, and we're back with herbs this time. Herbs, as I like to say. <laughs> Ebbs part two. Herbs. So my brochure for the local seed company, So True Seeds, came in, and I've been dreaming about my garden for the springtime already. I mean, it's almost time to start indoor seeding if you're gonna. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's February. Fe- February. February. <laughs> I always say that in my head when I'm spelling it. I'm like, February. February. <laughs> February. Let's get into it. Let's talk about herbs. Oh, actually, I have an article for you. Ooh. This is so exciting. I read this on Twitter. Apparently, it's from a couple years ago, but it started trending on Twitter again because people were making fun of it. It's from IGN. And it was posted February 2nd in 2021, so a couple days ago, as of this recording. And the author is Adele Ankers. And the title of this is, Scientists have taught spinach to send emails when they detect landmines. Mm, <laughs> you had the exact what? same reaction I did. <laughs> I, okay. I read it first thing in the morning, too, yesterday, and was like, Wait, wait, wait. What? I need to read that again. <laughs> I don't think that I can even comment towards that until you give me some more detail. I'm so confused. Okay. I will give you more detail because this is so cool and this is definitely the future. So MIT scientists experimented in this niche field called plant nanobiotics. And they discovered that spinach roots can detect the presence of nitroaromatics in groundwater. And that's something that can be found in landmines. So basically the spinach senses this um, presence of nitro aromatics and then the carbon nanotubes within the plant then emit a signal which is picked up by an infrared camera. And then the infrared camera sends an email to alert the scientists. (laughs) Isn't that so cool? Isn't that That's so crazy. So the plant's like, mm, this water is gross. I do not like it. Um, <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> there's some shit here. But it's really cool because a lot of the implications are that they can start using this to for climate change. Like they can have it in like basically the canary in the coal mine and the plant will be like, hey, there's, you know, toxic air here and stuff like that. Huh. That's so cool. Right. Oh, so awesome. What a what a fucking discovery. I know, right? Gosh. And it's like, I mean, we already knew plants are the coolest thing on planet Earth, and they speak a whole different language and know way more than we do. But it's kind of cool that we can, like, translate it to, um, you know, a way that we can understand. Yeah, like an understandable language. Not not really, I guess, not really even a language, but, like, I don't know, an un- like an understandable, I don't know. I don't have words yeah. for it. That's, like that's really fucking cool, yeah. though. I, I, can't think, I can't figure out a proper word for it, but I like it. Yeah, so I just wanted to share that. Anyways, let's crack into some herbs, huh? Herbs, herbs, herbs. So I said let's crack into it because my first herb is peppercorns. Ooh, I love a good cracked <laughs> peppercorn. Crack some peppers. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> She's got the puns, guys. The uh, puns for no. days. Lord. They just never leave my brain. I don't know. They just appear and never leave Um, but anyways (laughs) we're talking about piper nigrum which is one of the oldest known spices 
It was the main commodity in caravan routes of the East, and it inspired the early European exploration of sea routes. Fun fact, little fun little story, Attila the Hun demanded huge quantities of peppercorns as ransom during the siege of Rome in 408 AD. That's always so crazy to think about, not like demanding money. It's like, no, I want your fucking spices. I want your pepper. Listen, I got some spaghetti to make and I need it to taste better. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like I feel like spices make the food. Like you can make anything taste good with the right spices. I agree with that. So one quarter of the spice trade currently is pepper with India being the main producer. Wait, so, uh, say that again. A quarter of the spice trade is pepper. A quarter. Yeah. 25% of the whole uh-huh. spice trade. Mm-hmm. All the spices. Yeah. And it's the number one selling spice in America. That's fucking wild. Yeah, I, people I like guess... pepper. Peter Pepper piked a pepper, peppercorn. <laughs> I, I guess in my head I would have thought it was salt. Yeah, me too. Because I actually, fun fact, don't like pepper. I But I, I like salt. <laughs> That's crazy. I love, I can add pepper to anything. Love pepper. Love it. I don't really like um, still... hot stuff, though. I spices everything to me. I yeah. love it. I want it all to. I want my nose to run and my eyes to water and my and beads of sweat on my forehead when I eat dinner. We should do an episode about capsaicin and chili and all that. Well, interestingly enough, you're gonna hear a little bit about <gasps> chili today. Oh, okay. I'm gonna rush through Spoilers. this so we can get to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, so the fruit clusters of pep. Oh my gosh. The fruit clusters of pepper are picked unripe. <laughs> That's the tongue twister. Pepper pip, picked unripe. Pepper picked. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers. Whoa. Hidden talent. <laughs> That's incredible. Mine is um Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. I got really good at that when I was younger. <laughs> that one seems like it would be hard for me. I don't want to embarrass myself on, <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm not even going to try. All right. I'll finish this thought then. Okay. So the fruit clusters are picked on ripe and used fresh. And different colors mean how ripe it was and how it's produced. But it's all from the same plant. I love a medley. Yeah. Peppercorns that I didn't realize were all of different ripenesses until just now. That's really cool. Yeah. So the green ones are just pickled. The black and green ones are dried. And the ripe ones are white. And that's um, a process where they soak it in water to remove the skin, and apparently it tastes um, slightly fermented, and it's preferred in some other countries. So, white pepper in like, so if you like open up a jug of white peppercorns, to me it smells kind of like a barn barnyard. It has like a animal earthy. Scent. Well, it has like that earthy mm, like mm-hmm. nice scent, and I think it tastes really good in a fresh vegetable mash. Mm. Oh, now I'm getting hungry. (laughs) Shout out to everyone eating right now. You had the right idea. (laughs) Y'all killing it. (laughs) Um, So it gets its pungency in that kick from the alkaloid piperine or piper. I think it's piperine. That sounds right. P-I-P-E-R-I-N-E. I I believe you. I don't think either of us excel at pronunciation, so I'm just going to take you It's so funny. Every episode, I'm like, oh, I totally nailed that. And I listen back, and I'm like, oh, Oh, I had to say it eight times. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that's pepper. Number one selling spice in America. Pepper. Wow, that was really short. 
Yeah, I just wanted to hit some bullet points because I think I'm doing three and you're, you've got two. So Yeah, I did not hit bullet points. <laughs> it's okay. We um, just got to play to our strengths. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I know I said I have chili. That's going to be the part two. Um, but I'm going to start with ginger, which has, uh, I think, a really rich and beautiful history and is one of the older if not one of the oldest medicinally relevant herbs yeah, around so, the globe. It's so good on your tummy. I love ginger. I eat ginger chews all the time. See, I don't I don't love ginger. What? Why did we pick herbs that we don't even like? <laughs> <laughs> ginger has been used around the world for ages, going as far back as when Confucius was writing their philosophies. And Confucius himself was actually said to demand that ginger not be removed from the table during any meal's duration. So normally ginger would be a palate cleanser in between like fancy meals, you know, like in between mm. each course. Yeah. And he refused for it to be removed from the table because he liked ginger to snack on ginger throughout the meal so much. I love that. Like when you get sushi. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as like a little reference point, Confucius was born in 551 B.C., so this was all occurring in like before the first century. Wow. It's all like <laughs> ancient history, really. Yeah. Um, and it's also probably fair to assume that many people were using ginger well before Confucius had anything to say about it. Like ancient Asians regarded it as a fire starter. And they said that because it was a fire starter both for your belly and for the bedroom. And so those sentiments are carried throughout history and, and, are, and are in a bunch of different cultures. Like in 4 BC, there's the Hindu text known as the Maharata. Mm -hmm. um, and it was recorded in there that ginger was an ingredient for most of their stewed meat recipes. And then the famous Kama Sutra was also reported to tout the herb as an effective means for arousing your sexual energies. Mm-hmm. And then ancient Ayurvedic practices. Did I say that right? Ayurvedic? Ayurvedic, yeah. Ayur? Ayurvedic? Uh, I believe so. Ayurvedic, yeah. Ancient Ayurvedic practices claimed it to be the universal medicine, and it was generally good for all practices because it, like, touches on all parts of your body in, hmm. in the Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic practices. And even the Quran cites ginger as included in the Feast of Paradise. So wow. ginger has like this really rich, rich, especially Eastern history and connection to culture. Mm. How could it not? So, it smells so good. <laughs> it does smell really good. I don't hate ginger. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. If you were like digging around in roots and all of a sudden you smelled something that smelled like ginger, I would be so excited. <laughs> right. And alternatively, while I don't like fresh ginger that much, pickled ginger, I can eat by the handful. Mm. But that's just because I love pickled foods, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much just like pickly, spicy crunch. Yeah. <laughs> which is perfect for me. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Let's start a pickle company called Pickly Spicy Crunch. <laughs> Into it. <laughs> Propagated pickly spicy crunch. <laughs> So with ginger's relative popularity, it only stands to reason that it became pretty sought after. Mm. It also stands to reason that it was one of the original spices to find and purchase, or sorry, it also stands to reason that it was one of the original spices to find purchase and be included in commerce 
on the Silk Road. Hmm. So if you listen to us, you pretty frequently talk about Pliny the Elder because he wrote a lot of history (laughs) about plants. According to him and Discordes, the value of ginger was the same across most ancient practices. And they both agreed that its value was for sexual arousal and stamina. Like that was the, that's what medicinal practitioners used it for. Of course, it's like ancient Viagra. That's why it sold sold so well. (laughs) (laughs) For real though. (laughs) And fun fact, in European history, there was a person by the name of Madame du Barry, who was a French mistress of Louis XV. And she was said to give each of her lovers ginger to make them more submissive and agreeable lovers. Oh. Louis the Fifteenth was among the lovers kept docile with her ginger sedatives, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. That's awesome. I think in a past life I was probably some French mistress. I don't know. It sounds so fun. <laughs> I mean, t- I guess. I guess. I feel like a lot of them were probably treated fairly oh. poorly by by men without any kind of way to get back at them. That's fair. And you know, I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about some of the more nefarious. People using ginger. I have to preach a little bit every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently Portuguese slave owners of West Africa would use the herb to ensure the health of their slaves so that they could ensure healthy profit margins off of the slave trade. Hmm. I just want you to recognize for the purpose of ginger that Portuguese slave trading was part of the Atlantic slave trade. And it was p- one of the p- or part of why the slave trade made it to North and South America for a lot of years. And by that trade is how a lot of these really cool spices and things that we use in our kitchens every day now kind of got their introduction. Granted, it probably would have happened without slavery over the ages, but just as part of the storytelling of the history of these herbs, slavery was a cog in the machine that got them to our shores which is gross but it is what it is now yeah it's important to know too so we don't eat it (laughs) exactly so it was the english colonizers and spanish conquistadors that spread the popularity of ginger to the americas so like i guess kind of fun fact there are a lot of notable leaders wrote about using ginger including george washington Apparently, George Washington loved ginger and used it in food and medicine all the time. And the Shakers were the first of the North Americans to farm non-native ginger. So the ginger we had here was much milder, much smaller, not really great for food practices. But the Shakers planted the Jamaican variety of ginger, and they were the first to farm a non-native ginger in the Americas, or... In North America, rather. Sorry, not just the Americas. So circling back to its roots, I think that it's pretty clear that since it originated in like the Indo-Asian area, um, the bulk of its cool history comes from that eastern side of things. Mm -hmm. And ginger has roots in Japanese history as well. And I'm sure you're familiar with that if you ever eat sushi because you're always going to have the pink famous pickled ginger on your plate as an 
as like a piece of accoutrement on every sushi plate, really. It's like a standard traditional practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of cool. So it was literally during the first millennium that ginger found its way to Japanese shores on Chinese merchant ships. And what kind of proliferated ginger's use in Japan was when Buddhism took hold on the na- on the island nation. And it was very heavily practiced in a huge part of Buddhist culture to use ginger in its medicine and food preparation. Hmm. And uh, I think it's kind of cool that today the garnishes of herbs and vegetables are still referred to as yukumi, meaning condiment in modern Japanese, but also medicinal flavor. So they still called the garnishes on their plates yukumi, which in a different age meant essentially medicinal flavor because they used these same herbs as medicine. Yeah. And with that, even though I had more notes, I'm not going to talk for 30 minutes just about ginger. So I'm going to (laughs) let Frankie have the floor and talk about whatever her next herb is. (laughs) Well, my next herb is cinnamon. 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 We talked briefly about cinnamon in our um, hot spice drinks episode, which I believe was episode 13. Um, Look at Frankie keeping up with that. I can't even (laughs) remember anything. I spend a lot of time with each episode. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But um, I talked briefly about Cinnamomum xylanicum, but let's go a little bit more into its history here. So, so, Cinnamomum xylanicum. It is very old. It is also old like ginger. The ancient Hebrews used it as a holy anointing oil. And Roman temples were decorated with wreaths that were woven of cinnamon tree leaves. And even the Egyptians used it in their mummification process. Ooh. So, it's old. <laughs> I, like, want to learn more about it ancient egyptian culture like i know Uh like some surface level stuff but i always thought it was like super interesting yeah i i I only know what i learned in like sixth grade (laughs) right yeah um we actually had a mummy in our school that memory was brought back to me the other day my friend and i were talking about mummies and i was like oh yeah we had one in our school they found it in the basement (laughs) which i'm Um, still like wait a legit mummy yeah like someone had bought it like a scholar had bought it Years and years ago, and it just sat in the basement, so they brought it out, and it was just in the hallway. <laughs> well, that's pretty fucking cool. A I little mean, odd, but pretty cool. How, like, I feel like it's almost insulting of the memory of the person, you know? Like, they're, like, brought to America and put in a middle school. And just put in a, <laughs> in a school. Fair, fair enough. I'll give you that. I, 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 get, I find the fault now. I see that. <laughs> but it was just always so strange, and it gave me the creeps. I don't know. Just thinking like, oh, there's a dead body in the school. You know, I don't know. Anyways. Um, Cinnamomum is 250 species of evergreen trees and shrubs with three major commodities in it, which is camphor, cassia bark, and cinnamon. Beautiful. Cinnamon is used in medicinal formulas for warming and for stimulant properties, which we talk about the hot toddy in episode 13 and wassail and all that. And so it was... Yeah, oh, I love a hot toddy. Ooh, we, but you already, already know that. <laughs> the cinnamon and cassia is one of the oldest spices known. It was used in China in 2700 BC 
and in Egypt in 1600 BC. Damn. So very old. It's not the same cinnamon we use, but the oil from this can be extracted for flavoring, but it's banned in many countries because it's possibly carcinogenic. So, <laughs> well, we'll just stick to Cinnamomum xylanicum. <laughs> yeah, give me that bark. <laughs> yeah. Cinnamomum xylanicum is a major world spice, and with that, it has a huge role in colonization. The Portuguese invaded Ceylon. Is that how you say it? C-E-Y-L-O-N. Ceylon? 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 I don't know. The Portuguese invaded Ceylon in 1536 to obtain a monopoly over cinnamon. And the Dutch ended up cultivating it in 1770. And thereafter, the Dutch East India Company dominated the world trade from 1796 to 1833. It's a lot of cinnamon. That is a lot of cinnamon. So here's the process to get to cinnamon. The shoots of the plants are cut every second year during rainy season, and they're stripped of leaves for distillation. The bark is left for 24 hours to ferment, and then after that, the outer bark is scraped away to expose the inner bark, which is then peeled and dried for use in flavoring. It's used for gastrointestinal issues, it's used for arthritis, it's used for rheumatism, and yeah, so when you see that cinnamon all rolled up, that's because it's bark. <laughs> I love cinnamon. Me too. A Ugh. lot. Yeah. Easily cinnamon one of my toast. favorites. Mm. <laughs> All right. And then last, I never knew this. I thought this was kind of cool. They use cinnamon leaves in hominy and Jamaican jerked pork. Cinnamon leaves? Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I so. love jerked pork. I love jerked anything, really. Yeah, me too. Oh, I could go for some jerked fish tacos right now. Ooh, yeah. So, yes, that's cinnamon. Nice and quick. <laughs> All right. I guess I have another long one again. Sorry. <laughs> Do it. All right. Frankie, cinnamon sounds really fucking awesome, and now I really want a hot toddy, so thank you for that. <laughs> You're going to so make welcome. me go out today. I'm going to have to go buy <laughs> whiskey and everything. Hey, it's a really um, cold day. It's good for it. You know, yeah, I mean, you just treat wrong. it as medicine. <laughs> it, it, it is medicine. I'm not going to treat it as if it were a medicine. It just <laughs> is medicine, frankly. <laughs> I personally, in my hot toddies, love to add cayenne. Mm-hmm. Which is a chili pepper, which is what we're going to talk about today. Oh, my gosh. Look at that segue. That was 10 out of 10. <laughs> it was actually really terrible and sounded very forced, but I'm going to take it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> professional podcasting next level oh <laughs> uh, you know i'm really good at segui's segui segui's <laughs> we have been segui'd <laughs> <laughs> um chili peppers are pretty cool though and they are like also another one of the really ancient plants out there you know that have been around for a really long time their ancient roots have existed for thousands and thousands of years and actually originate in South America. And while the botanical world hasn't quite decided exactly where they popped up first, it's believed to be somewhere in like an area in between two mountains hmm. or two mountain ranges. One exists in Bolivia and one in Brazil. So that that's where they think that the first chili peppers came out of. But over the past thousands of years, the chili pepper has spread out from that area and 
is all over South and Central America naturally with the help of birds and native peoples and is all over the world unnaturally because of colonizers. But, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, original chili fruit, or originally original chilies had fruit that was small, red and round, and very attractive to birds, but it had very little substance for people. Hmm. So that's why they say that most of the spreading was caused by birds across Central and South America. Kind of like the um, grapes from episode one. Yeah, very similar. Um, And archaeobotanists, which I didn't even know existed, but now I do. There are archaeobotanists, which sounds really fucking fun, honestly. Yeah. Well, for you, not for me. (laughs) Yeah, for me. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, they've done studies of the starch granules in chilies and they found what they believe to be the beginning of a prehistoric vintage of chili dating back to about 8,000 years ago and then the cultivation and domestication of that vintage of chili is about 6,000 years old from what they can tell so far and then the spread of domestic cultivation was determined by both the taste and culinary value but also by the search for uh, larger fruits in the wild. Mm. So they would spread and cross-pollinate to get like desired results, even in the native world, which is really fucking cool. That is cool. Like we said, the chili in South America was already known and used around 7,500 BCE. is like the earliest we can prove that it was used. But its arrival in Europe came in 1496, following the second voyage of Christopher Columbus in the Americas. And so the ship's doctor, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but you know, still has a still has his fucking face plastered across a lot of history. Yeah. Um, the ship's doctor Diego Alvarez Chanca of Seville observed that the natives added chili to virtually every dish. And so they started doing the same thing. And that's part of how the, that's like essentially when the movement of chilies started from South America and North America into the rest of the world. Hmm. After the discovery of the Americas in the 1400s, Columbus made his first pilgrimage to the Royal Monastery of Santa Maria de Guadalupe, which is in Spain. Mm-hmm. And it is assumed that he donated some of the pepper seeds to the monks that lived there. And we're assuming that these were some of the first Europeans to grow and start using these peppers in their, like, daily diets. Man, leave it to monks. I feel like right? there's so much monk history in plants, too, because they're like, you know what? This is valuable. We're going to take care of it. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I ended up cutting a lot of this when I was writing my notes because the fucking way fucking peppers traveled around Europe was fucking insane. (laughs) But initially cultivated in these monasteries, the seeds were spread throughout Spain and Europe by monks and travelers to these monasteries. And then due to trade routes and cultural expansion, chili peppers kind of became a world commodity, Hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, But I do want to take a second to go back prior to Christopher Columbus and his plundering of the world and go into the area era known as pre-Columbian era Mm -hmm. of the Americas um, and talk about a few of the a few of the civilizations that thrived there. 
Um, and some of the largest and most advanced were the Aztecs, the Toltecs, the Maya, the Chibcha, and the Incas. Hmm. All of those were like your primary Central and South American civilizations that were thriving prior. I mean, some had already disappeared before Columbus ever set foot, but most of them disappeared after because between himself and the Spanish, he, they killed a lot of fucking people. <laughs> but these civilizations were truly thriving. And, you know, a lot of what you hear about boils down to like the brutal nature of the natives of that era and all the human sacrifice and blah, 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 which was a very small part of most of their societies. Realistically, they were beautifully skilled in astronomy, craftsmanship, the building of temples and religious monuments, and especially agriculture. Hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of that is lost because they didn't, they weren't really document keepers. Like you have some hieroglyphics and stuff of that nature to like garner some of what happened in those times. And then Columbus had taken some notes when he came and plundered, but most of those were lost during travels. So really most of what we can divine from these pre-Columbian societies are archaeological finds. Hmm. And one of the, I guess just one of the small stories I'll tell about that is uh, the Incas revered peppers, pepper plants to be like a manifestation of a deity known as Ayar Uchu or Brother Pepper. Oh. And he was considered to be the brother of the first Incan king. Cool. And Garcilaso de la Vega, said, and he was like a early researcher of the Incans, said that the peppers were perceived to symbolize the teachings of the early Inca peoples. And so they were therefore considered sacred plants and more rigorous, rigorous religious fasts were those that prohibited the use of the peppers at all. Huh. And then historian Elie Valsarel, the peppers were apparently also appreciated by the Incan society um, so much so that they were current. They were literally used as a rudimentary monetary system. They had so much like value to the people. Mm -hmm. So... The same historian Valsarel, and I'm not sure I'm saying that right, I'm just assuming and just saying it, <laughs> said that up to the up to the first half of the 20th century, people in the square of Cusco could buy goods with what they called ronti, which is just a handful of chili peppers. So all the way, like, pretty modern, really. Chilies yeah. were still used as a commodity. I mean, they still are in New Mexico. I know if you got some hatch green chilies, I, I miss it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I really, that's like the only spicy that I like is green chilies. Green chilies are great. Mm. Um. Well, again, on both of those, I could have probably made entire episodes out of them. <laughs> but that's what I, that's like, I just wanted to make sure you got a little bit of the cultural development of chilies as well as the world development of chilies and... I didn't really talk about the plants themselves at all. So enjoy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it again. <laughs> Let's talk about parsley. <laughs> <laughs> parsley, not just a garnish. It actually has a lush, rich history, which was very fun for me. <laughs> oh, I love that. I was afraid that it wouldn't. Well, 
When I say history, I mean folklore, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I mean the good history, the juicy bits. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Give it to me. Give it to me. Let's go. All right. So parsley comes from the Greek word petros, which means rock, presumably because it grew in rocky areas of Greece. That's weird. But I like it. But it's weird. Petros. Parsley. I I don't know. I guess I can see the similarity. It is native to the Mediterranean region of Southern Europe and Western Asia. And it kind of got its infamy from a Greek legend, which you know I love. So let's get into it. Let's hear it. Legend goes that the infant prince Opheltes was left unattended by his nurse. She was just like, listen, baby, you just hang out. But then the baby was bitten by a snake and died. And so dead baby. Oh, all this blood like ran from the baby. And apparently wherever the blood went, parsley started growing. So in true Greek fashion, they turned it into the story and they like renamed him Archimorus, which means forerunner of death. Could you imagine having a name like that? That's a lot of power. Yeah, I kind of love it. Poor baby. Can that be my new nickname? Yeah, the forerunner of death. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't want you to get bitten by a snake. But then after that, Parsley became dedicated to Persephone, goddess of the underworld. Fair. And they never used it for their tables or for food or things like that. But how they did use it, and they used it a lot because it was a sacred plant to them, they used it to decorate tombs. Okay. Yeah. And also, apparently, they would have these things called the funeral games, which when someone of honor or like, you know, an important figure would die, they would host these kind of Olympic style games. And the winner of these games would get a wreath made out of parsley. Hmm. You get a yeah. death wreath. It's yeah, cute. here's your here's your death wreath for runner of death in you, this death game. <laughs> here's your here's your death wreath that you got for winning a death game at a graveside of a dead person. <laughs> I don't know, though. Personally, I feel like we don't have any fun rituals around death. Like, we don't have games. We don't have competitions and parsley wreaths. Definitely not. (laughs) We got some pretty calla lilies and... That's true. That is true. Peace lilies, yeah. Chrysanthemums (laughs) and all the things that smell like funeral homes. And lots of casseroles. I feel like every time someone dies, there's always a lot of casseroles. Um, anyways, so moving on, parsley history. Parsley is used in Passover, and it represents, I hope I don't say this incorrectly, carpus, K-A-R-P-A-S. It represents carpus on the Seder plate, which symbolizes the initial flourishing of the Israelites in Egypt. Cute. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it wasn't originally parsley, but I think that's like what people use Like now the modern day equivalent. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then finally, the Romans, they used it as their hangover cure, which we should get, we should try it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do I need to just keep bundles of parsley in my fridge? Is that a thing? Like, does it work? Let's grow some parsley. Um, but they also used it to absorb bad odors. So it was kind of like they used it kind of like a breath mint. So after dinner, mm-hmm. they would chew on it and then spit it out. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I just figured out the best hangover cure. Just uh, 
garnish your Bloody Mary with some parsley. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. We'll try it out and report back to the podcast. Um, all right. And final fun fact, the Romans would, like, like we were saying, they used it as hangover cures and as breath mints, but they would also grow it on their garden borders for their chariot horses to eat. Which I think is kind of cute. Yeah, that is cute. I'm into it. Yeah. It's an easy plant to grow, so that makes sense. Yeah, that was my quick little bit about parsley. The end. (laughs) I loved that. Thank you for (laughs) Oh, we need to end on a fun fact. I don't have a fun fact. Did you know that our fun fact of the week is going to be about fungi? (gasps) Because why not? I didn't know. I'm excited. What is it? Did you know that fungi are in a kingdom of their own, but are vastly closer to animals than they are plants? What? No. Are they really? Yep. (gasps) I love fungi. Did I tell you I decided that in my book, um, I I think I'm going to make mushrooms interdimensional. (laughs) I'm like. I think that's very fair. I feel like they kind of are just like these alien creatures that can totally transcend space and time, but. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah. So that's our episode. I, before we end it and tell you where to find us on the internets, I wanted to take a second to shout out the, this incredible five-star review someone just left on, app, on um, Apple Podcasts. It made me laugh so hard this morning. You ready? It's from Caro1432. It says, great, great, great. Listening to this podcast while knitting lowers my blood pressure substantially. Highly recommend. <laughs> I <laughs> Which, love by the way, that. I love that so much. The idea that you are knitting right now, listening to us, just brings me so much joy. That brings me joy, but the fact that you're knitting and your blood pressure is high enough while you're knitting that you also need a podcast <laughs> to help you, it uh, makes me even happier. I'm Listen, happy that we could be medicinal. <laughs> have you ever knitted before, Daniel? It is very extreme. I have not knitted, so I guess that's fair enough. <laughs> It's very stressful if you drop a stitch. It's like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. Be saved. <laughs> I totally get it. I'm totally there with you. <laughs> All right. Well, find us on the internet. Yeah, you can find us at the internet. At, at, at you can find us at the internet. Just at the internet. Just go to the internet in physical form, and you can find us. We'll be at there. <laughs> Honestly, if you just Google propagated podcasts, I'm sure everything would come up. But oh lord, you can find us on the internet. I don't know why I can't spit words out that make sense. Just jumble of head thoughts spitting out of mouth right now. Um, Uh, That's how you podcast. So you can find us all over the internet. If you want to find us at our actual website, you can find Mm -hmm. that at propagatedpodcast.com. And it's got pretty much everything on there. It's going to be great. It's going to give you links to pretty much everything else we're going to tell you. But if you're not super into websites then you can find (laughs) us on instagram at i'm just not super into websites i'm going to instagram and i'm adding propagated podcasts there (laughs) (laughs) um i get you if you aren't super big on instagram then you can find (laughs) us at our twitter account which is propagated pod just a little short if you want to talk to us give us any feedback um if you have any ideas <laughs> for episodes that you want us to run, mm-hmm. if you 
heard us say something just absolutely dumb and you want to make sure that we know how dumb we are, you can also tell us about that. Um, and you can do all of those things through our email, and that is... Propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, so we really appreciate you guys listening. As always, if you have some extra time and feel a wild hair, it'd be great if you hopped onto whatever listening service you're on right now and mm -hmm. give us a rating and review. It helps make sure that a baby podcast like us gets some viewership from people who might not just already know about it. Mm -hmm. So we would really appreciate that. For those of you who listen all the time and have already done all of that, we love you. We love and appreciate you so much. Thank you for supporting us. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.